We're back. Back after Oklahoma's uh, 31-24 win in Provo. Back before the Sooners' Black Friday kick with TCU. And back with a Thanksgiving edition, a special edition, of the Letterman Jacket Podcast. Garen Emig, Todd Lizenby, both with me. We'll have one more special guest later. 25th episode of the Letterman Jacket, guys. How about that? Quarter century, we made it. They haven't canned us yet. Uh, Day McCullough, where's 25 for the Sooners? 1925, this is fitting, was the year that Mount Rushmore was proposed. I might argue we've got a Mount Rushmore here tonight as we're recording Monday evening uh, on the Letterman Jacket. Guys, what's going on? Hi, Eli. Good to see you. And Todd. Hello, Eli. Hello, Garen. My my well-traveled friends, I can't wait to talk to you guys about your trips last weekend. I know we've been around. We're going to talk OU, we're going to talk Big 12, and we're going to talk Thanksgiving, naturally. But first, a word from our sponsors, good friends at Rose Hill Builders, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, Oklahoma Ford Dealers, Our Blood Institute, Bob Moore Auto Group, and of course, our friends at Fire Lake. You can join the Citizen Potawatomi Nation team if you would like, go to firelakejobs.com to do so. They have more than 75 positions available at one of the nation's many, many businesses. All right. I was in Provo, out in the mountains. Garen was in Houston. Todd, where were you over the weekend? I was in, uh, I was in Bethany, Oklahoma at the Sawyer Center at Southern Nazarene for a women's basketball game, actually. So, uh, All I was, exotic you know, locales. I'll tell you who I was hanging out with. I was hanging out with Josh Giddy's younger sister. How about that? Oh. Who plays for Southern Nazarene, Hannah Giddy, Really good player. No Josh sightings? No Josh sightings. I think that, that, was, that would have been the night they were in San Francisco uh, playing Golden State, or he might have been there. However, this is so random. So Josh Giddy's sister plays at Southern Nazarene. Isaiah Joe for the Thunder. His younger brother plays at Newman, who's also in UCO's conference. Southern Nazarene's not, but they played but they're in uco's conference and last year i don't know if they know him through isaiah joe or what but poku came to a newman game so we've had a poku siding but not quite a josh giddy siding yet i'd like to see poku at a small small school basketball game i like that uh, he was noticeable we'll just say stood that out yeah just a little bit well it always stands out because he is what a year away from being a year away poku it's gonna yeah, come that's it's gonna right. happen someday that's right He's Someday like, uh, what, what, do, what do men and blazers always say? Soccer, the sport of the future since 1972? Precisely. That's Poku. He's the uh, player of the future since 2019, I believe. Did Gary, you, you think you could take Poku one-on-one? I, I have, actually, already. Did, did, you, actually, <laughs> did you ask uh, Giddy's sister, what, what, you can't, what, 13 and 1? What, you couldn't be 13 and 1? You had to settle for 10 and 4? Out yeah, of the gate? Yeah. Um, just- it was a little bit disappointing. I mean, we're we're definitely disappointed in our Thunder uh, team right now, only being ten and four. What happened? No, they, they look they look really good. Honestly, they look really good right now. Right. right. I'll say this: uh, the Chet fadeaway game tying shot was cool. SGA in overtime the other night was like mesmerizing. He's legit. I think people knew that, but I think more people need to know that he's I really this legit. Is a, this is a true statement. SGA is. Sex. That's what he is. He's just pure sex. We're off to a rollicking start on the 25th <laughs> episode of Letterman Jacket, the family-friendly Thanksgiving edition of the. Some people Letterman. say the same. Yeah, some people say the same of the jacket every week. It's sort of their. It's a, It's like ambient noise. 
Mm. I got I mean. to say, SGA is sex is an interesting. I'm going to be very interested to see how you transition this to Provo, Utah. Go ahead. Well, Eli. I was going to say, speaking of family friendly, Provo, Utah, um, it was a really <laughs> fascinating trip from a football perspective. We got to see Jackson Arnold in his first uh, significant action for the Sooners, really thrown in. I mean, to a tie game, all that Sooners come out with a win. Uh, with a lot of help from the defense that really struggled, but uh, the two biggest plays of the day came from the defense, Danny Stutzman, Billy Bowman. Uh, and then culturally, it was certainly an adventure and a really interesting uh, place to see. We did naturally find the only bar in Provo, Utah, uh, and made made good use of our time there. But it was, uh, it was a good trip for the OU beat and a, overall a good trip for the Sooners, just how good it was or, or maybe... The, the negatives of it will be determined by whether or not we see Dylan Gabriel this week against TCU. But on the whole, Sooners go there, escape in a tough road environment, an incredible locale. I mean, the stadium beneath the Wasatch Mountains, very cool. Uh, but the Sooners get out of there 9-2. and two. That, was, that was what they had to go do. It was maybe different than we expected in terms of how it went down. How many Osmond family members did you meet? That's what I care about. I don't care anything <laughs> about the game. How many, how, how many Osmond brothers did you meet, and did they play? They play crazy horses for you. Well, are you, you're aware that Marie Osmond sang the national anthem, right? I had heard that. Okay, but she, I, I needed to be sure because she didn't have any of the brothers with her. She didn't have the brothers with her, but Barry Trammell, our esteemed colleague, didn't need the brothers. He revealed to us that like one of his childhood crushes was was out there and, and he didn't need to care about the football anymore. Once once Maria Osmond was there singing the anthem, uh Barry Trammell was was all in. I, a fun fact we learned over the weekend. Maria Osmond has been married, I believe, three times, twice to the same man. And none of them Barry Trammell. Not yet. Not yet. Um but he was that was the big takeaway. Jackson Arnold okay, Billy Bowman 100-yard, pick six, whatever, Danny Stutzman's trip sack. Marie Osmond was there. The story of the day was, was had before kickoff. So Stutzman played the flu game not because he's, uh, he's like a, 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 you know, the ultimate warrior in cleats, right, that it's all about football. He, he was doing it <laughs> to get Marie Osmond's attention. Isn't That's that what right. Buddy? I'd like to think I wrote a little bit better on Saturday as a result of her presence. I think she brought the level up everywhere. People cheered harder. People played harder. People wrote harder. <laughs> I like uh I just like the juxtaposition of the now two Big 12 mountain schools. Uh I guess Utah technically probably has some mountains close to campus, but Provo and Boulder are the two locations where you mm-hmm. think of like the mountains in the background. At Provo they hand the fans free ice cream. Garen, what did Bill Platty was it Bill or Dave Platty? Dave Platty? Dave Platty. What, Dave Platty, what did he used to hand the riders back in the day in Boulder when you guys were working on your stories? That would that would be post game beverages that weren't the juice boxes that I assume they were passing out in the bar in Provo. Well, for reference, uh, no caffeine in the press box. They might have had a. I'm not a soda guy. They might have had a couple sodas with caffeine, but you know they served a very nice full breakfast: burritos, tortilla chips. It was great. A, a salsa that I would remark on, like a, a salsa to write home about, but no coffee, no tea. Uh, so I had to get my fill at the the hotel buffet in the morning on my tea. Let's. Did stay you have with- a cougar tail? I did. And you know what? It's no different than your standard maple log, but like a maple log's good. It was good. I enjoyed getting to have a cougar tail. 
Uh, let's say we let's stay with Todd's motif just a second longer. They, they, you go to a park in downtown Boulder, you spread a blanket out. Just picture the people on the blanket doing what they do in Boulder, <laughs> and then picture the blanket in a city park in Provo. <laughs> it's different. That's there's room for the Holy different. Ghost in Provo between the people on the blanket. That's one of the bigger differences. It was. Uh, it's a. It's a fascinating place. It's a great addition to the Big Twelve footprint. I really do believe. I mean, you're going to lose Austin and Norman, two really good locales in, in college football. But with what the Big 12 is going to ha- add and what they'll have once once the pack schools get in, uh, there are going to be some really fun trips. And Provo is going to be top of the list just because of the, the setting in that stadium, really quality people out there, um, and a program that had, at points has had some really fun competitive teams. So good stuff coming to the Big 12. It's already here in cases like BYU. But on the Sooners, you know, they they went in there as 24-point favorites. It wasn't that game. Uh, and it wasn't that game even before Dylan Gabriel left with the upper body injury, as Brent Venables discussed it. Most anybody who saw the play he got injured on saw his head hit the turf. Um, so that leads, you know, pretty obviously to discussion, you know, is it a concussion or anything else? But uh, we are speaking here Monday night, noting that. Uh, this morning, in his weekly presser, Brent Venables indicated that Dylan Gabriel, if things progress throughout the week, is how he put it, will be available to face TCU on Friday. It's a six-day turnaround. Um, if it's a concussion, that's maybe hard to, to believe, and, and you're, the back of your mind certainly does go to just you know, the answer Monday when you're not trying to give up your whole game plan might be one thing. We will see Friday, but uh, that is sort of the, the story on of the story around the Sooners right now, who are they going to have under center Friday? Will it be Jackson Arnold? Will it be Dylan Gabriel? Uh, I think that'll affect, you know, Vegas betting odds. I think it'll affect how serious of a football game this, this might be with TCU and hanging over the whole thing is the fact that OU will go into Friday. Still, you know, one of the 128 different scenarios, the big 12 has put out there uh, for the title game. OU still has a handful of those. So they are playing for something. Uh, guys, where are we at as, as we go into this final week of the college football regular season? Maybe not a good omen that there's 128 scenarios and OU is Team 129 this year. Uh, <laughs> no one that raised might, that to Brent Venables today. That might be a really bad omen for the Sooners heading into this weekend. Uh, no, I, I first off, 11 a.m. on Black Friday, is that's hell. I don't know how anyone let that game be scheduled. Well, of course, I know it's a Big 12. And it's kind of commonplace for Oklahoma. I I don't know about you guys. You're going to have to be there covering it. But I'm not going to want to get up at 11 a.m. on Friday. I'm going to be still tripped the fanned out. And I'm going to have so much probably uh, alcoholic beverage in me from Thursday night that I, I think a lot of OU fans are going to struggle to really get into the game early. And I wonder how the team will react. Um, I mean, realistically, it's a pretty low shot that they make the Big 12 championship game now. This is still a lot to play for. It is senior day, and that means something. It is a team that beat them really bad last year as well. I don't know how much that means. But I think my big takeaway from Provo, Garen, is that this team has not been good on the road. Uh, in Brent Venable's two years, they've been very bad on the road. A- average record-wise, but a lot of those wins, Saturday against BYU, uh, earlier in the season against Cincinnati, last year against Iowa State, games where they did not look sharp even though they were able to go on the road and beat bad teams. Yeah, the thing coming out of uh, you know of Bedlam was you know let, let's see the see the old Sooners show up again, 
just period. And and they did that um, after after a few rough stretches against West Virginia for the most part. But then it did, yeah. The, the, then it became the narrative became let's see uh, an Oklahoma team on the road perform well after it didn't happen in Lawrence and Stillwater. So that's that's still a, an issue. Um, it obviously, won't be an issue on Friday, but something to pocket uh, for the next time they're the, the true visiting team. I would your point about early start day after Thanksgiving hang you know Thanksgiving hangover maybe not the same as a Texas hangover but still a potential one for the team. You know what? If Jackson Arnold does start over Dylan Gabriel, that's to me as much of an excuse as anything to to cut the kid loose. Let him let him play the position, right? Don't don't have him dump it off for the first couple of series just to get him into a game. They've gotten him into a game. Uh, didn't go real great. I mean, Arnold made some plays a little bit later to help OU over the top. But if if this is the guy that we've been led to believe he is, and if he has a relationship with Jeff Levy that we've been led to believe he does. Let him play if he's the guy against TCU. Uh, number one, it's going it, to, if you're looking for an excuse for a spark, there's your spark. Number two, if we're not sold on this being an easy game for the Sooners, then he, he's going to need to do some things. It's not just going to be other stuff that, that carries uh, the Sooners to victory on Black Friday. Yeah, I think, you know, whether you want to say that this is a team when it goes away from home changes, which I think, you know, numbers and, and performances, like you pointed out, Todd, somewhat bear out, certainly over two seasons. When they've been at home, they've really shown up. Uh, believe the only home loss of the Venables era was that K State game uh, last September. So they've they've played well at home, and they've tended to get up for that game. You know, this this week, if you're talking about Jackson Arnold being under center potentially, if you're talking about Senior Day, you're talking about all the things that could at least give this thing a charge. Now that could be taken away with you know two first quarter TCU touchdowns and a quiet crowd, a hungover crowd, a still turkey-filled crowd um, falling off. But I, I'm with you, Garen, that if Jackson Arnold is there under center, or really whoever is, what better to charge a, a crowd that might need a little something to get going than airing it out early going after this TCU team, a team that the Oklahoma we've seen over the course of the season, they've, they've ebbed and flowed. But on the whole, they, this should look like the West Virginia game. If certainly if they have Dylan Gabriel fully healthy, but based on the team that we know for Oklahoma, they're at home. No reason they shouldn't go out and go out, regardless of quarterback, slinging it, going going for it, showing what they have. Uh, perhaps a bit of an audition. If I don't know if they're going to make one last push for a New Year's Six, and they're not going to be in that title game. This is it. Um, this is that opportunity. And fact is, if it is Jackson Arnold, then we're talking about the quarterback. Most would say is whether he's a lock or just the favorite uh, to be a starting quarterback when we mm-hmm. kick off in 2024, these are those opportunities. And when they talk about how comfortable he's been and how well he prepares and all that, sounds like a guy they have a lot of faith in. This would be an opportunity to show it. And so we'll see all that develops there before Friday. Just looking around kind of the Big 12, Sooners play 11 a.m. Friday. Texas plays Texas Tech, I believe, in Lubbock, right, guys? On Friday night, I think it's Correct. in Austin. It's, it? I think oh. it is. I think it is in Austin. That's the famous Brett Yormark game, right? Well, that is the Yormark game. I believe he might be there. Um, he certainly didn't help make that hospitable for him. Whether it is Lubbock or Austin, but I, I think you guys are probably more right than me. Uh, as and then, usual. as usual, and then two thirty. Let me know if I have that kick time right because I am ninety nine percent sure on that. Two thirty Saturday. 
you've got Oklahoma State, BYU. Those are the games right. that have that principally hold bearing on the Big 12 title race. Depending on who loses, K-State can get in there. I mean, we've got, as we said, 128 scenarios. Some of them involve like five-way ties. Uh, if you thought the Big 12 tiebreaker stuff was difficult before, wait till we have a five-way tie. We've got uh, Farmageddon and, this weekend, don't we? Yeah, we do. That we do. Uh, Garen, are you being, licking your wounds? Your Jayhawks took one on the chin on Saturday. I was writing about the Cowboys at Houston, and so I didn't get to follow the events that led to K-State's latest Sunflower Showdown win. It's probably a good idea. It's probably a good thing that I didn't because I – I sort of counted KU out when I saw that it wasn't likely that Jason Bean was going to play, that they were going to have to go with a guy who was just figuring out college football and Cole Ballard against a team that was playing pretty well. Oh, by the way, that had won like 50 straight against Kansas. So um, I was prepared for like 41 to 10, something like that. If you told me that not just that it was going to be sort of a toss up and that Kansas was going to do a lot to help give that game away by muffing a punt, right? In the last five minutes, I think that happened. I wouldn't wouldn't have taken that very well. Are you going Norman or Stillwater this weekend, or do you know yet? Or are you doing the double? I think I'm I'm after both. Okay. Okay. Uh, How do you – I'm just curious for both of you. You two, Eli, because obviously you'll be in Norman on Friday. How does the Black Friday 11 a.m. game affect your personal Thanksgiving holiday? Hmm. Garen, you go first. You're the one who's got to make the trip out here from Tulsa. Well, I'm I'm not going to turn down, you know, I, I'm going to eat myself into a coma like I always do. And then when I get out of that coma, if there's still wine or anything else to drink that hasn't been consumed, I'm going to take care of that as well. I'm not going to let the fact that I've got to get up at six in the morning on Friday keep me from enjoying what I believe to be the best holiday on the, on the calendar. Ooh, well, that's a bold statement. I mean, if I... Aaron and I agree there. We agree there, actually. And I'm going to follow... I mean, if that means I'm writing C-Spot Run instead of a 700-word, you know, Pulitzer-worthy game column from Norman, I could live with that, right? Well, I follow the Garen Big School on most things, and Thanksgiving before an 11 a.m. kick is another one of those, because I will uh, certainly enjoy the food, I'll enjoy the drink. Uh, Thanksgiving is the holiday, and uh, so I'll be making sure to enjoy it. Whatever comes Friday comes Friday. I know we're going to talk a lot more about Thanksgiving here in a minute, but I do have to ask Garen how his trip to Houston was. Oh, it's a great time, Todd. Houston's a lovely James, city. James, James Harden says better strip clubs in Houston than Salt Lake City, where Eli was, and he's probably been to uh, been to them in both. Um, hmm. That's not my jam. I'm, I wouldn't know that. Uh, okay, good. James can frequent wherever he wants to. It's it's a free country, and I've I've got no problem with him doing you know being being a, a red blooded American male. If he wants to go there, that's great. I will say this: I bet the traffic is a lot kinder in oh. Salt Lake slash Provo than it is in Houston. Guys, man, I it took us. We got to the city limits, and the map quest told us, or whatever it was, the the thing on the map phone quest. It's twenty twenty three, Garen. The uh, the MySpace the account, Atlas, the, the MySpace Atlas that he had, the, the yeah, the the Rand McNally <laughs> those maps, the, the, the Rand, the that I stopped at the gas station, station map after the <laughs> after the guy pumped my gas at the filling station <laughs> with the Navin Johnson hat, um, and he gave me the map that told me how to get to my hotel. No, it took us it took us an hour and forty minutes in the city in Houston city limits. 
to get to the hotel we were staying at, which was in also Houston. It wasn't like in, you know, uh, El Paso. So uh, I, I don't know how people do it. I do not know how you condition yourself to live like that. I know you do, but how long does it take? And how crazy does does one's mind get before you are conditioned for that madness, that kind of traffic craziness? I'm out on that. I'm totally out on the Houston traffic. I, I'm Liz out, Eli, on the Houston I like traffic. It. I like it. Garen is Gare out, Gare out. On, out on the Houston traffic. Well, you know, uh, we didn't find a lot of traffic in Houston. Ollie Gordon, that's Ollie him. Gordon. Well, he did in the first half. Uh, the first half was like driving, you know, one section of I-35, and then the second half was like another. Mm. He was It was smooth sailing in the second half. I, You know, I think Garen in that whole performance, and I wrote about this in the Rapid Reaction, I probably didn't mention it enough. I, I probably actually played into it, but Brennan Presley and Ollie, Ollie Gordon get a lot of the press, and they should. They had great performances. Mm -hmm. But Alan Bowman was really good in the second half for Oklahoma State. I wrote, speaking of writing something for Sellout Crowd, uh, today's column was about Mike Gundy's family Thanksgiving. That's going to be, I assume, happening Thursday with Kale and the, and the whole crew. And besides Gordon and Presley and Bowman and Colin Oliver and Nick Martin and the OSU fans who never gave up on this team, besides all of that that Mike should probably publicly thank on Thanksgiving Day on Thursday, you know who else he'd better mention? Jamal Morris. Do either of you have any idea who Jamal Morris is or is what Jamal he did Morris the guy that got the is he the guy that got the fifteen yard penalty yes. early in the game? Yes. Do you know how different that game could or would have gone had he not taunted Ollie Gordon after a three yard catch on third and nineteen inside the OSU twenty? Right? It's fourteen to three Cougars. They've got a pick six on the board, they've got a sixty yard touchdown pass on the board. This looks a lot like UCF, basically, is what I'm saying. And then OSU's about to punt near the near its end zone after completing a short pass on on third and nineteen. And this guy Morris picks up fifteen for uh, standing over Ollie Gordon. And Todd, to your point, that's when the game changed for Bowman because he he'd already thrown the pick six and was like five for eleven at that moment. And then he got going and they went down and scored on that drive. Houston still went back up twenty three nine. And then Donovan Smith decides to throw an interception right to Trey Rucker. At, at midfield with Houston driving with the 23 to nine lead. So um, theme here, number one, again, Mike Gundy said it before. We'll say it again. We'll continue to say it is a witch doctor. I don't know what the voodoo is, but he's got it. And it usually he, he puts a zap on the other team to do something just stupid to get the Cowboys out of a jam. It happened again Saturday. And number two, he ought to line up the people that he put the zap on this year, which is with his witch doctory and thank them in between bites of turkey on Thursday. You know, which, I, doctor I, which doctor is a really good word. I do uh, I do the UCO games, obviously, and, and I have this conversation with John Fitzgerald, who I do the games with all the time. Certain plays will get made by certain teams, and I'll go, what was he thinking? And he goes, he was thinking like he plays for a 3-8 and eight team, you know, or, or like he plays for a 2-3 and three team or an 0-6 team. And I think that's, that's kind of where I fall on the Houston stuff, Gary, and that's, that's the type of plays that bad teams make, and Houston is a bad team. Yeah. Um, and what's crazy about it is is I I was on my way home from Bethany. I actually listened to that when it happened on the radio. I listened to Hunziker's call, um, and I saw later the replay of it. And Hunziker and Holcomb sounded defeated. Robert Allen sounded defeated at the time. 
uh, before that play happened. And that's it, it breathed new life. Thing. That's that's a headline, what you just said it, there. Exactly. It breathed new life into <laughs> Robert Allen had to come on and apologize for questioning why OSU was in a man coverage on the uh, 60-yard touchdown because uh, he felt so bad about his visceral reaction. But it breathed new life into the broadcast that penalty did. So I could imagine uh, there in Houston it was – just as deflating for Houston as it was, uh, you know, lucky, I guess, in some ways for Oklahoma State. But here's the thing real quick, uh, and then and then we'll, we'll we'll get to the fun stuff, I promise. But it's not just the bad teams, though, Todd. It's Oklahoma's a pretty good team. They're about to win their 10th game, maybe, on Friday. Okay. Two fumbles off two bad snaps, right? Yeah. Two, when, when does that happen? When, when else has that happened to the Sooners this year? Eli has a better idea. Maybe he can he can specify. Kansas State, we all agree, is a really good team, right? Remember what Kansas State did in Stillwater to launch the, the Cowboys' winning streak? Will Howard has never looked worse as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. He, he threw a, a deep post into double coverage and under through the receiver, easy interception. And then right before halftime, with OSU already up 13-7, with 55 seconds left where Chris Kleiman, nine times out of ten, I assume, runs the ball and just gets in down six. He has Bowman throwing out to Phillip Brooks. There's a complete miscommunication between um, Howard and Brooks. Cameron Epps takes essentially a free pick, kind of like Trey Rucker did in Houston, and runs it back. 40 yards for a touchdown, and it's 20 to 7 at halftime. West Virginia is up and in the third quarter, late third quarter in Morgantown, and they have a guy run into their own punt returner. Remember that? Which which uh, causes a fumble that Parker Robertson recovers for the Cowboys. They take a short field into the end zone and they're not behind again in Morgantown. I mean, this is just uncanny. What's wild about it is I I think you're probably the same way, Eli. I expect Mm -hmm. Oklahoma State to beat BYU on Saturday. I think they're the better team, but we've seen Oklahoma State play not just two bad games, two embarrassing games this year, South Alabama and UCF. And if they play anywhere near that, that BYU team we saw on Saturday is good enough to go to Stillwater and beat them. Um, you know, I know yeah. they're not good this year, but they went to Arkansas and won earlier this well, year. And, that Arkansas and, win doesn't look so good nowadays. Well, I, I know, but but at the time, that was a decent win. And BYU did show some signs on Saturday of maybe getting some things figured out. And I don't know how much this matters, uh, but, you know, that wins for bowl eligibility for BYU, right? Which is... You know, Barry, Barry Trammell had Tom Holmo on their AD, and he said that's still very important for them. It matters, and they, they played like a team the other day that certainly wasn't packing anything in. Like, I've got no doubt they're going to come and, and give OSU a fight. Jake Retzlaff, first Jewish quarterback in BYU history. Apparently one of only five Jewish students on campus. That's a story. Um, but... They had fight, and they're good, and they have they can make explosive plays. They do interesting stuff on defense stuff uh, that threw OU off. I mean, Brent Venables today just talked about how his linebackers, which is a group that he not only spends a lot of time with but prides himself on and, and said that today, uh, they were all over the place. It was kind of like those Kansas and UCF games where all the quote-unquote eye candy and deception that Gus Malzahn and Lance Leipold had to throw at him. BYU clearly saw that and clearly had a way to go at OU and it almost bit the Sooners. They This game, until Billy Bowman had that pick six, this was all BYU and you could see it. I don't know if you guys or anybody out there follows Parker Fleming. He's a college football like stats guy. He puts out every Monday a, 
a thing of all the games in the country and kind of shows that regardless of the score, like what the trends of a game, who really dominated, BYU owned that game and OU won by a touchdown, but that was due to Billy Bowman's pick six. Well, it was a 14-point swing because BYU was knocking on the door. And then the Danny Stutzman strip sack is what set up the touchdown. And they had everything they needed. They had Jackson Arnold there to make the throw at the end that he needed to. Best throw of the day, I thought. Uh, he had that other one to Jaleel Farouk. But that was the throw. Point being, this BYU team was not far from beating OU. And based on how close OU and OSU played and, and just OSU season, nothing to say that this is a given for the Cowboys. Did it rain on Saturday, Eli? In Provo? It was drizzly. Yes. Um, the field, people were noting pregame, was slick and pretty torn up. It's real grass there. OU plays on grass, but it is like cut it's to turf grass. kind of grass. Yeah. yeah. This was grass with patches and spots that were weathered and all that. And, I mean, it didn't seem to be an issue. Both teams play on it, of course. Um, though I'm sure some out there came up with their theories. But um, it was the only thing that didn't make that day perfect from a scenery setting was that there was no sun because it would have been perfect if there was sun. But I can say from where we sat, there was snow coming down on the Wasatch Mountains. You can see it. Um, so it was a pretty setting. And now the Sooners come back, Cowboys come back home, playing for everything this weekend. If the Cowboys win and the Longhorns win, it's settled. We know he's going to the Big 12 title game. If one of them loses, all hell breaks loose. The Big 12 maybe has that straightened out. You can go elsewhere at sellout crowd to find all, you know, I think Barry and Jenny have been on the scenarios as best as one can. Um, I know in Texas, um, there were folks who thought uh, Saturday night they had clinched a spot in the title game. There's that much confusion uh, on how these tiebreakers This is not Brett Yormark's finest hour, you guys. He signed a TV deal. He was not a tiebreaker guy. That's what, yeah. They They didn't bring him in to write clear language. You know who they should have hired? My man, Emred, the guy from uh, the, the yeah. Big 12 tiebreaker site. He could have. You keep calling him Emred, but he's obviously Mr. Ed, right? Well, Isn't it thing, Mr. Ed? The thing. I've talked to the man. Hold on. Hold on. Did I've you... spoken to the man. He, it is based, derived from Mr. Ed, a TV show about a talking horse. Apparently, Mr. Ed, the horse, rest in peace, uh, is buried in Tahlequah. But Emred, the guy. <laughs> Josh, that's all. That's all else I'll say. Josh, of of the website, said at this point he even refers to himself as Emred. So it's a nuanced discussion, as all discussions around you know Big Twelve tiebreakers and websites outlining Big Twelve tiebreakers are. It's well, could... go ahead, Garen. He's a taxidermist. Is that is that what you discovered? <laughs> He's an actuary. <laughs> He's a mortician. Same thing. A little different. Taxidermy. Daxidermy, actuary, I think slightly different. Archery. Okay. He's an. Is what he shoots? He shoot shoot arrows and apples. He's a. Well, that's what it feels. Shooting arrows feels like what the Big Twelve tiebreaker is. You're just hoping. <laughs> that's pretty. Um, good. How about yeah. the press release they sent out, which was one of the biggest buckets of word vomit I've ever read. Well, I read the Big Twelve tiebreakers. Then this came. <laughs> well, speaking of word vomit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I do. I just want to go back real quick on one thing before we get to some fun Thanksgiving stuff. Um, you said it rained a little in BYU, mm-hmm. but nobody got soaked, right? Thank you. I'll be here all day. And on that note, let's have let's some talk fun Thanksgiving. Let's talk Thanksgiving. 
this is an OU pod. So before we get in, well, we keep saying we're going to get into the Thanksgiving fun. This is the Thanksgiving fun. We're all together. If I'm going to ask each of you and then I'll give my own. If you're an OU fan, a year ago, you were six and seven. Uh, Todd, I'm powering past that one. Uh, you're six and seven. Things were down. Lincoln Listen, Riley was having slosh. a good year. Why didn't you say sloshed? I, I didn't even get it right away. You said soaked. Sloshed was uh, the well, OU beat in Salt Lake Saturday night. Sloshed. I think you may – the soaked one may have gone over your head, Garen. We may have to describe – I, I, are you not? Are you not making fun of the uh, the part of the honor code that says no alcohol shall be invited by? No, nah, no. It's, it's we'll talk off air. It's a different part of the honor code. You might Urban Dictionary <laughs> that one later. I God, I'd like to think because I've got two kids Eli's age that I have a clue as to what what the hell you're talking about. Hey, I don't mind Eli if he does it right now on Google and we just get a live reaction if he wants to do it. Yeah, Google. Gary, you're welcome to Google away. I'll ask Todd what yeah. what OU fans okay. should be thankful for. Todd, if, if you were an OU fan, what is it that you would be thankful for in November 2023? Consider the last, you know, two full years of Oklahoma football. What should they be thankful for? Well, I think, I think, first of all, uh, Lincoln oh Riley struggling. Are you serious? <laughs> dude. Oh, my God. Dude, seriously? I, th- I think number one is Lincoln Riley struggling at USC. <laughs> Um, I'm thankful for the reaction we just got. If I'm being totally honest with you, that's uh, <laughs> that's a new one for you, Garen. Number one, how have I not heard this? And number two, how did you? Never mind. You no, know, they used to put out those commercials. The NBA where amazing happens. The Letterman jacket <laughs> where the peculiar happens. Wow, uh, on the weekly. All right. uh, so Lincoln Riley. Yeah, OU fans should be happy that Lincoln Riley's struggling. Um, I still think it remains to be seen how happy you should be that Jackson Arnold. I mean, obviously they think they've got a guy, so that's good. And last year they didn't think they had a guy in Davis Bevel. So it's it's better from that standpoint. But, you know, we, we haven't seen it over the course of a season yet. I think there's reason to be excited. Uh, I think right now saying they should be thankful for it is maybe going a little too far because we don't. it's an incomplete product still. But I think probably the thing you should be most thankful for right now if you're Oklahoma uh, is the fact that you don't have to deal with Bedlam anymore. Uh, Bedlam's been a pain in the ass for Oklahoma over the last three years. It's led to some pretty bad memories. So just move on, enjoy the new locales next year. Garen, what would you be thankful for if you were an OU fan? Uh, we covered a lot of this ground on the jacket last week, or mind games, I can't remember which. Uh, team not just has played well, but talked well and allowed you to see a little bit more than what they do on Saturdays, uh, how they are, how they think, and not, not to get all serious on everybody, but that to, that to me is a very big deal, an underrated part of, uh, of our jobs covering college football and sports, and um, it's probably an underappreciated thing when it comes to reading or, or listening or hearing about these guys. And so I'm thankful that it seems to be a team that has its, uh, its stuff together, right, shall we say. And, uh, you know, some teams win 10 or 11 games. They don't always act the part and you don't really care that they win 10 or 11 games. And there's, then there's, uh, guys on the teams, both in Norman and Stillwater. And I want to lump OSU into this as well, uh, who do act the part, do, do act right 98% of the time and, and, and have really interesting things to say about their experiences and about their, their, the games that they're playing. And, that is what I think uh, OU fans should most appreciate to this point about the Sooner season. 
I would well, also throw out, and I have to put the caveat out there that we work with his father, uh, but Drake Stoops, they should be thankful for as well. Uh, they should be very thankful for Drake Stoops. Mm-hmm. I don't, there's a, that, that safety valve has been there all season long and talking about games that were close, BYU. I mean, the, those first half, that offense sustained itself in the first half in large part because Drake Stoops was there. Uh, and one question for next year, what do you do without Drake Stoops who replaces him? I would say, you know, Garen says stuff together. I say, on the whole, the fact that the program has its shit together is not a surprise. Oklahoma hasn't had many runs of time in, in its program history, going back to Bud Wilkinson and all that, where it hasn't. But you are now 23 months into the Brent Venables era. You have a five-star quarterback of the future. You're right, Todd, that we don't know what the story is there yet with Jackson Arnold. I think next year we're going to get our shot to really see it. But you can't ask for much more than one of the best young quarterbacks in the country. He's, he's played more than Arch Manning, we can say that. Uh, you've got a head coach who in year two has shown that the coaching, what he's trying to implement, uh, both culturally, uh, schematically on the defense, all that has settled in a bit more. And they did much better in their second go around at the transfer portal of bringing guys in who really fit and who made sense. Every, uh, they're, they're recruiting well enough again they're they're bringing in you know what appears to be another top 10 class they got guys i'm not promising that this is a team that's going to go win a national title next year 12 team playoff will help them in years to come particularly being the sec but there's a lot of challenges ahead none of this buys them anything but you're two of a what feels like a major rebuild they are on their way even if afternoons like the, the games at kansas and oklahoma state maybe didn't feel that way uh, they were ahead of schedule on that stuff. We're talking playoff. Probably a team that based on the schedule and what they had, you, you would have wanted them to be in the Big 12 title game if you were an OU fan. But they get to 10 wins, maybe 11 in a bowl game. A long way from 6-7 and seven a year ago. And the future looks broadly pretty bright. So that, if, if I were an OU fan, I'd love to be at the Gundy Thanksgiving. I really would. I think that's a table I'd thrive at, but a different <laughs> story. Uh, that's what you should be thankful for. And maybe Kale feels similarly. Can I also add that o- OU fans should be thankful for Oklahoma high school football because over the next couple of years, they're going to be getting a lot of kids that played Oklahoma high school football that I think are going to help them out. The classes in 24 and 25 are as good back-to-back as we've had in quite some time in Oklahoma. Well, and hey, that's a, ch- a relative change, right? And and this this recruiting class shows that they've been recruiting Oklahoma Oklahoma fans should be thankful for that, both for the guys they're going to get, and it simply can't hurt to, to create that local pipeline that had been lost at points here and there. 